0: Are you saved this morning? Let me see your hand. Are you glad you're saved this morning? Let me see your hand. All right. Praise the Lord. Father, guide and direct us now in the moments that we have remaining in this service. It's been good to sing your praise. It's been good to fellowship with the brethren. Uh, it's been good just to anticipate your return. And and uh, Lord, we ask now that you would guide and direct, Lord. There's there's more here than I could preach on five Sunday mornings. That's no exaggeration. You know that. So help me to say those things that are necessary. Those things that are edifying and encouraging, and would bring glory and honor to Your name, and help the saints to grow and and take a sinner and show him his need for salvation, and show him how desirous You are to save him, Lord. And we pray these things in Christ's name, Amen. I want us to take our Bibles and go to Psalm one hundred. Psalm 100, and this message, I don't always preach messages uh, in keeping with the time of the year or events or holidays and such, but uh, this, this particular message, you, you, you would say it, it does. And uh, Psalm 100, very short psalm, not the shortest, shortest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 117, two verses, and, uh, but this is a short psalm, but it's a profound psalm. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. We just heard some of those, amen? Joyful noise. We just got done singing. Some of you carry a note, and the rest of us, we make a joyful noise, and God's good with that. God's good with that. Uh, God made the the singing bird, and he also made the crow. (laughs) I don't know why, (laughs) but he made the crow, and some of us, when we sing, that's what we are. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, and it is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I see a sense of humility in verse 3. And then our text. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I want you to think of something for a second right now. Where, where is the most important place? I'm not going to say in the world. Where is the most important place in the entire universe? Because when you say it that way, it transcends the world. All right. Now, if you said the throne of God, you were right. Okay. Think of everything that's important. It's concentrated right there at the throne of God. Authority. Power. Judgment. uh, Pleasure. The Bible says at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Joy. Light. I mean, we could go on and on. It's all there. So the most important place in the universe... If you're a believer and you understand your Bible, you know that it's at the throne of God, Revelation chapter four. And when we read Revelation chapter four, what's going on at the most important place in the universe, okay? Now for some people would think the most important place in the universe is uh, Wall Street. And it's all gonna go down tomorrow morning or Washington DC or London or Paris or wherever else. And on Wall Street, they would say, well, the most important thing would be the trading that's going on. And in Washington, D.C., the the politics and and, and the passing of laws and the lobbying. But think of it for a second. The most important place in the universe is the throne of God where God dwells. And what's going on at the throne of God? Praise, thanksgiving, thanksgiving, and worship of God and let me say this to you this morning if if you're not a shouting Baptist now and you're saved you'll be one then you'll be one then. if you're not a rejoicing Christian now you'll be one then because that's what they're doing folks that's what they're doing and and folks there's so many things about praise and worship that we could say And 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 we'll say as many of them as we can this morning, probably in in a couple more weeks to come, I'm sure. But think about it. What is the one thing we can give to God? You know, people say, "Well, I'll I'll give him my talent." And uh, who gave you your talent? You know, if you give God your talent, okay, good. We're to present our bodies a living sacrifice but we're just giving God something back that he gave us initially. Uh, how about this one? Uh, I'll, I'll give him my money. Okay, great. But who gave you that? God gave it to you to start with. I mean, just about anything you can think of that you would say, I will give to God. I, I'll give my children to God. I'll, I'll give my life to God. I'll give my family. I'll give my, I'll, my job. I, just whatever it is. He gave that all to us to start with, but stop and think about it for a second. What is the one thing that we can actually give him that's a gift from us that he didn't give us first? It's praise, it's thanksgiving. And it's what, folks, it's what he wants in the end more than anything else, and he deserves it. It's worship. It's worship. What are we doing coming here today? Uh, Yes, coming to edify the saints, no question. Coming to evangelize a sinner, no question about it. But more than anything else, we're coming to exalt our Savior. Worship. In fact, Jesus, with the woman at the well, said that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then he told that woman, he said, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is looking over the, 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 the precipit of heaven from his throne, and he is looking for those that are willing to worship him. Now let me admit something this morning, so you don't think that I'm going to jump, jump onto the platform of the unreasonable and, and be unreasonable towards you. When I say, what are they doing at the throne? What are they doing in Revelation 4? They're worshiping. And by the way, that looks like pretty much all they're doing. And, you know, in the bodies we're in, with the mindset we have and the life that we live, that seems a little bit hard to do. Would you agree with me that they're probably better at it than we are? Would you agree with me this morning that someday when you get your resurrection body, and you no longer have this old man that you're dragging around. And, and it's nothing but, but, but the manifestation of Jesus Christ in you. And you won't have any sin nature to contend with. And there won't be any temptations around you. And, and everything will just be right with you and all that's around you. It'll be a lot easier to worship God than it is now. You know what happens with worship now? We get in the way. And sometimes we just plain old refuse to do it. Why? There's all kinds of reasons people refuse to worship the Lord. I'm talking about God's people. I'm not talking about the lost. Uh, Maybe you didn't get a prayer answered and you're mad at God, angry with God, or put out with God, or even worse, it's been a prolonged situation, and now you're bitter, and and worship and praise seems like the last thing you want to do. Christian life has become about going through the motions, there might be some here this morning like that. Others, you would say, preacher, you have no idea what's on my plate. You got something on your plate that's just captured your attention, and the idea of getting your heart and mind off of it and worshiping God almost seems trite. Can I say to you this morning that no matter what the reason is or what the hindrance is, that worshiping God is the answer Back on that thing that's keeping you from worshiping. I'm going to tell you something right now. I, I'm more convinced of it than ever. Even though I'm more convinced than ever, I don't do it nearly as much as I should, that worshiping God and being thankful and filled with his praise is, is the greatest tonic for all that ails us in this life. Are you ready? No matter what's on your plate this morning, and I don't think that's going to be hard to prove, as we study the Word of God. Let's look at the text here. He says in verse four, "Enter into his gates with thanksgiving." Picture the tabernacle in the wilderness, the one that got pulled up and uh, uh, packaged up and put on on the back of the flatbed as they went from place to place. Uh, not the one that Solomon built, the permanent one, but the portable tabernacle in the wilderness. And he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We come to the gates. We can't parachute in. We don't climb the wall. We go through the gates. And we, we get into the outer court with the brazen altar and the laver. And we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That's the first step. And then he says, he goes on from there and he says, and into his courts with praise. Then we go into, we, we go into the holy place where is the altar of incense and the table of showbread and, and the golden candlesticks. And I think if you've been saved any length of time, you've had this experience as well. You really get praying and praising God. i got to admit, some of my prayer sessions with the Lord don't start out the way they should. Have you ever had a prayer session that just started out as a gripe session? Huh? And, And then it ended up, you wound up in the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant. You know why that is? You started out centered on yourself, and you ended up completely centered on him. And that's the biggest difference that I see with our attempts to worship him now and the way it'll be up there. Because up there, we won't be centered on ourselves. We'll be centered on him. And by the way, when you look at all that activity up in, uh, over there in Revelation chapter 4, and you got the 4 and 20 elders round about the throne, and they're throwing their crowns at the, at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you see those peculiar, odd beasts with eyes within and eyes without. And, and, and you know, someone once said, why do they have so many eyes? I'm going to tell you why. There's a lot of God to see there. <laughs> you want more than two eyes if you're going to be up there. It's like the first time I saw the Grand Canyon. I looked over it from the, from the North Rim. And I was like one of those dogs in the back of the pickup you've seen on the highway. And they're just running back and forth from side to side because they think they're missing something. And that's what my eyes were doing. And these creatures, uh, they're at the throne of God, around the throne of God. and, And the Bible says when they start crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And they do this again and again and again and again. You say, why do they do that? When God created them and they opened their eyes, they looked up and they went, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And God said, that's good, you keep doing that. (laughs) And you know what? They wouldn't trade places with you and I for anything. If you said to those creatures and those 4 and 20 elders who when those creatures do that, they throw their crowns at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you say, what do they do after they throw them? They go pick them up again, put them on their head, and get ready for another toss. You see, I don't understand it. They wouldn't trade places with you and I for anything. If you said to one of those 4 and 20 elders or one of those beasts, hey, I got two luxury box tickets to the Super Bowl. (laughs) You want them? They'd say, move over. Holy, holy, holy. Folks, praise, praise is where it's at. Praise is what gets us f- from fixated on self, which, by the way, is the source of most of our misery here this morning. If you came to church this morning, if I came to church this morning dragging around some, some, some boat anchors of misery, chances are they, are they are miseries of our own making because we're centered on self. And worship and praise, when you've had one of those sessions where it starts out as a gripe session, and then you enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and then into his courts with praise, and then you enter into the holy of holies where it just really gets good. And you can really sense the presence of God. And you realize the, the value of thanksgiving and praise and worship. And folks, here's another thing. Here's another thing. When you're praising God, you cannot commit the second most serious sin that a believer can commit. The first most serious sin that you can commit is idolatry. From Genesis to Revelation, I defy you to find a sin that God hates more than idolatry. I defy you to find it. Someone would say, "What's well, murder. It's not murder. Now, God's not keen on murder. (laughs) It's a capital offense. But you look at the word of God, and I defy you to find a sin that God hates more than idolatry. And number two, you ready? The complaining and griping and ungratefulness of his people. And this is based on the number of people he killed for these two sins. And you want to know something? I, I'd like to tell you that after I got saved, I'm just thankful about everything all the time. Kind of like a guy said one time, he goes, when I got saved, bless God, God removed my cusser. I thought, wow, that's great. Because he didn't remove mine. <laughs> I mean, I cuss a lot less. See, I just, I just devastated some wives in this church (laughs) because you've been telling your husband (laughs) when he remembers one of those bad words and says it oh the preacher would never do that (laughs) I should get a few amens out of you guys I'm trying to get you off the hook here okay (laughs) no every time I hit my thumb with the hammer I just yell out praise God I wish I could stand here and tell you I never complain. I wish I could stand here and tell you I never gripe. And and by the way, that's probably the most damaging thing to our testimony that we can do. According to Philippians chapter 2, I don't have time to take you there yet. We'll get there eventually. But according to Philippians 2, the the best thing you can do for your testimony in the aggregate is, is, is not be a complainer, not be a griper, not be a grumbler but be a thankful person that gives praise and glory and honor to God in front of God's people and the lost as well. I'll tell you something, when you go to work, guys, and you don't join in on the grumbling and the great American pastime of, you know, uh, the job stinks and the boss is a jerk and I'm going to quit, I just don't know when, and all that other razzmatazz that goes on all the time, whether it's construction or, or, the, or, or the shadowy stuff in the offices and all that stuff, you don't participate in that, and you got a thankful spirit, and you're grateful you got a job, and, and you just got a smile on your face when everybody else has got a frown on, Sunday, or on Monday morning, you stand out, and then what you say about Christ carries a lot more weight. And so, when I'm praising God, what I'm saying is, when I'm praising God, I can't commit that sin of griping and complaining and grumbling. And you know what? It does my spirit a great deal of good. Folks, in short, this morning, God is good. And if you find yourself in that place where you're just going through the motions as a Christian and 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 and, you, and you've got all kinds of things that are discouraging you. and by the way everybody's got a list of those things okay uh, i'm going to talk to you about a guy in church history in the, in the late 17 early 1800s guy named billy billy bray uh, a a welsh itinerant preacher who, whose whose life uh, was just just marked with a, a remarkable sense of just praising god all the time he had a reputation for it And sometimes we as believers look at people like that and we go, wow, man, everything must be going great. And his, I mean, nothing's wrong in his family and the job is great and and the bank account is full and and everything is wonderful. No. (laughs) He's got his problems just like you and I. But you know what he he decided to do? He decided to look past those things and look at the goodness of God enter into his gates with what thanksgiving and by the way thanksgiving requires no emotions it requires no singing it requires nothing it just requires stepping back and taking inventory and i mentioned to you the last song we sang count your many blessings name them one by one and you know what happens after a while we realize in spite of the things that we got on our plate god is still good and we still have so much that's good And we start thanking him. And what happens? All these other circumstances that were bringing us down, they get forgotten. And then we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then all of a sudden, that thanksgiving turns into praise. Praise. And it's not just about what he's done for us. We we turn our attention from our circumstances, from bad to good, and then we look at God that gave us all the good, and we start looking at him, and we start thanking him for who he is, as well as what he's done. And now we start praising him, and we end up in his courts, and we end up closer to Him. And ultimately, you can end up at the Holy of Holies. Look, folks, I've had prayer sessions where it's just, it got so good, it almost felt like I could reach out and touch God. And what's that a result of? That's a result of getting from here to here. And anybody can do it, folks. And we should do it, because He is worthy Okay, If this was me asking for it, or you, or some other man, we would say, who does he think he is? And we'd be right in saying that. But God is God. And for starters, he created everything. Man, that gives him right, that gives him jurisdiction, that gives him authority, that gives him power, and on and on we could go. What a blessing. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, And bless his name. I think it's a shame that as believers, we tend to just remind ourselves about thankfulness this time of year. And and lost people, uh, happy Turkey Day. Or happy football and Turkey Day. Huh? We can, you know, (laughs) we can eat turkey, drink, watch the Detroit Lions lose. And the Dallas Cowboys win. <laughs> There's Thanksgiving for the average lost guy. <laughs> but for the believer, Thanksgiving is the nectar of life 12 months a year, 52 weeks a year, 365 days a year. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. Thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. An old gal named Pearl in a nursing home. She was 90 years old. She had had lost her teeth, her taste, and most of her eyesight, and she was losing her hair. Finally, she was down to three strands, so she braided it. Then she was down to two strands, She parted it down the middle. Then she was down to one strand. She threw it back and called it a ponytail. Finally that one strand came out and she said, hey, hooray, I don't have to fix my hair anymore. (laughs) Folks, we need more thankfulness. We need more praise. And I I say we, capital W, starting with me. Romans 8, 28, sometimes it's a hard verse to believe. Sometimes it's a hard verse to believe. But stop and think about it. All things work together. All things work together. They work together. You can't take a snapshot and prove Romans 8, 28. you got to look at everything working together. It's like a cake. I would not eat just eat flour. I would just I would not just eat sugar. I would not just eat raw eggs. I would not just eat butter. Are there some of you sick people that do though? I've (laughs) I've seen people take a pat of butter and eat it, and I'm like, ugh. I'd almost rather see you eat a booger. I really would. Milk, I'm lactose intolerant. I I can't do milk unless it's cooked. Baking powder, who would want to eat that? Vanilla. Individually, these things are not palatable, but together with somebody that knows what they're doing, huh? And baked correctly, it makes a delicious cake. All things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter one that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. You go to Ephesians one and you see all this glorious eternal information about God's plan to redeem man and his foreknowledge and making us sons of God and, and bringing us into the family of God and he says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. I was talking to somebody recently, just, just this past week. One of the differences between theology back in the day and, and, and theology so called today is that back in the day it was God centered, and these days it's man centered. Back in the day, God was great, and, all, and, and it was all about God, and it was set, centered on God, and everything was of Him, for Him, to Him, by Him. And now it almost seems like it's just the opposite. Folks, even our salvation is secondarily about us. Hey, look, God God loves us. That's why he sent his son. I'm glad for that. But you realize that even your salvation and mine, the fact that we're saved and not going to hell, is secondary, secondary to his holiness. Doc used to say in Bible school, he'd say, god would let the whole world go to hell before he'd do one wrong thing to save a sinner why is that because he's holy it's his holy it's it, it's it's his moral attribute of holiness that all other moral and natural attributes have to give way to well, I know the difference between a bible believer and in a, a liberal a, a bible believer says god's holy therefore Jesus had to die. There had to be a blood sacrifice for those sins. And then God, then God could bestow his love upon us. Until that time, the wrath of God abides on us. know what a liberal says? Oh, well, God is love. So, you know, God's just going to sweep it all under the carpet, and it's all good. And the only thing that concerns God is that a good time was had by all just forgot something, that God of love is also a holy God. And he can't just give it the old Santa Claus wink at our sins. They've got to be atoned for. And that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. You know, being saved by grace is such a privilege and such a blessing, but it's also a great responsibility that we might we might be on display as trophies of his grace, of the manifestations of what the grace of God can do to change of life. For, God's, uh, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, thus any man should boast. For, verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. On display for the world to see trophies of his grace that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ today's theology is man-centered the messages are psychological help sessions to help you with your job to help you with your marriage to help you with your sex life to help you with uh, prosperity and wealth and, and just your general happiness and your best life now with a thin veneer of biblical terminology smeared across the top to make it look like Bible. And in the end, it's all about you. And God loves you because you're so wonderful. Because you're so important. He just had to have you on his team. Would you just realize that? Then your chest could puff up. And you could be Egotistical in a Christian way. Do you know what? God doesn't love you because you're important. Because I got a sad reality for you. You're not. You're important because God loves you. And there's a difference between theology back in the day and theology today. And that's the reason we should be praising him. Because it's not about us. And when you, when you figure out it's not about you, that's when happiness and joy and fulfillment can start. As long as you're stuck, high center, wheels spinning on the idea that it's about you. And you're mad at God because he did this or he didn't do that or he didn't give you this or he gave you that or he gave someone else something that you wanted. Folks, count your many blessings, name them one by one, get to his gates with thanksgiving, start taking inventory of what he's done for you, and you'll quit worrying about what he did for somebody else. And you'll just be filled with thanks. And then you'll end up in his courts, and you'll start praising him. You'll start praising him. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, A peculiar people. What makes us peculiar? Hair? Clothes? Huh? Deodorant? What? What makes us peculiar? Peter goes on to say it, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A royal priesthood. If you're saved here this morning, you're part of a royal priesthood. And what is the source of our regal power? That we should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Royal, pertaining to a king, a king's power and a king's domain. These gates and these courts are our domain and place of power. We see it in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 at the dedication of Solomon's temple when they all began to praise God and and, and, and worship him. Uh, the cloud came, the presence came, and it was absolutely indescribable. It was absolutely wonderful. It was so much that some of those that were closest in could no longer could no longer even bear it. They had to step back. They had to step back. Can I submit to you this morning? I'm not. I'm not blind to the burdens that we bear. I know my own, and I know I'm no different than the next person. And I know some of you are bearing even greater burdens than I am bearing. But I want to say to you this morning that God's even covered that. He calls that the sacrifice of praise. And by the way, that's especially precious to him. When we're under a tremendous burden and we still praise the Lord, it's called the sacrifice of praise. It, it's like a, a, a sweet odor coming up from the sacrifice off of the altar, and God especially values it. I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's sad that we who believe in eternal security are not known more for our praising God, and those that believe they can lose their salvation are known more for making noise for, for God. I'm not saying it's always the right noise. I know a lot of this modern stuff is people just coming for the entertainment and the religious intoxicant and getting the emotional experience. And the Bible says we're to, we're to worship Him in spirit and in truth. I, I, I get all of that. But folks, can't we be filled with thankfulness because we know we're going to heaven? Can't we be filled with thankfulness this morning because we know that Christ is preparing a place for us? Can't we be filled with thankfulness today to know that God will guide and direct us each step of the way through life? I think sometimes we don't appreciate how many people are out there that they just don't have any direction. You wonder why so many people medicate with drugs and so many people medicate with alcohol and so many people just throw themselves into things that are self-destructive. It's because they have no direction. They have no guidance. And we have a God that said, I'm preparing a mansion for you. I'm waiting for you to come to heaven and trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths, plural. Every step of the way, folks. Every step of the way from the young to the old. He's there for us. How wonderful is that? Billy Bray, Billy Bray was an eccentric, spirit filled Christian who took the Cornwell County area of England by storm. The one writer says one wonders if there was ever a Christian that had more joy than Billy. His radiant joy, his persuasive preaching, his charming wit made him famous. Billy literally danced for joy. Some denounced his shouting. But Billy said that when when the Lord healed the cripple of Lystra, the cripple leaped and walked and praised God. He said, I can't help praising God, he would say, as I go along the street, I lift up one foot and it says glory. And I lift up the other and it says amen. When his wife died, billy jumped about the room with ecstasy exclaiming bless the lord my dear joey has gone up with the bright ones my dear joey has gone up with the shining angels glory 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 when it was time to die and the doctor told him he was going billy said glory glory be to god i shall soon be in heaven when i get there shall i tell them your compliments doctor and shall i tell them you will be coming too the doctor was tremendously touched bray continued what Me fear death, me lost, why, my Savior conquered death. If I was to go down to hell, I would shout glory, glory to my blessed Jesus until I made the bottomless pit ring again. And the miserable old Satan would say, Billy, Billy, this is no place for thee, get thee back. (laughs) Then up to heaven I would go shouting glory. His dying words as he fell asleep was Glory. He was, not only, he was not only joyful on Sundays, but daily in the mines where he toiled. Some would complain about his enthusiasm, and he would say, I was born in the fire, and I cannot live in the smoke. They would remind him that the Lord is not deaf, to which he replied, neither is the devil. <laughs> Some of the miners would ask him to pray, and they promised to listen. He would pray, Lord, if any of us must be killed or die today, let it be me. Let it not be one of these men, for they are not happy. But I am, and if I die today, I shall go to heaven. You know what? That's as true of you and I as Christians this morning as it was of him. He once said, I'd rather be a janitor in a candy store than be superintendent of the pickle factory. <laughs> you say, what about a guy like that? I knew, a, I knew a, uh, an old preacher named Earl Hughes. I'm sure he's gone home to be with the Lord by now. This was many years ago, but he was another guy like that. And I I remember when I first met guys like this, I thought, well, they don't have any problems. Everything's good. Everything's wonderful. They don't have anything eating at them. No, they do. They just refuse to be held hostage by these things. And they say with the psalmist in Psalm chapter 9, he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Folks, I'm here to say to you this morning that Thanksgiving, happiness, and praise are a choice. They are a choice. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm chapter 34. And we'll close on this this morning. Here's what Spurgeon said about it. and I'm getting a little ahead of myself. First of all, Isaac Walton said, God has two dwellings, one in heaven, and the other in a thankful heart. Here's what Spurgeon said about it. He said, to forget to praise God is to refuse to benefit ourselves. For praise like prayer is one great means of promoting the growth of spiritual life. It helps to remove our burdens, to excite our hope, and to increase our faith. Psalm chapter 34, Psalm chapter 34 verse one. I will bless the Lord at all times. I, will, I shall, his praise shall, excuse me, be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Verse three, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Praise is manifest adoration of God. It's kind of funny how many people will get demonstrative at a a game, but then they'll say, "Well, you know, I'm just a really phlegmatic type of person. I'm a Type B. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get excited." And uh, so when I come to church, I, I I just, I just don't, just don't believe in any of that. And uh, but you know, I, I was at a, a Montreal Canadiens hockey game some years ago, brother. Brother Larry Theophanopoulos got tickets for it, and, and I got to sit right behind the net, and I was there, and all these, these I mean, that's the mecca of hockey. And uh, I was there, and you know, they say Canadians are very reserved and phlegmatic, but man, I'll tell you, there's about 20,000 of them that night that weren't. <laughs> and I remember when the Canadians scored, that place erupted, amen? amen. Everybody's different. I know some shout amen. Some raise their hands. Some wiggle their ears. <laughs> but we all do something when we get excited. Amen. And you know, sometimes I think a, a worship service is just the, uh, the collective of, of, of our lives Is we're out there the other six days of the week. And, and, and how much we value and adore and thank and praise the Lord. And he's worthy, folks. And lifting your hands doesn't make you a Pentecostal. Uh, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 17 when Israel was fighting Amalek that Aaron and Hur held up Moses' arms because as long as his arms are up, Israel prevailed when his arms went down, Amalek prevailed. You'll say, I got some things holding my arms down today. Then get get you an Aaron. Get your her. Get some help. <laughs> and hold those arms up together. That's what it's about here this morning. Amen. That's what it's about. There's no caste system here. There's no, there's no, you know, these. These are the people of value, and these are the people not of value. And No, we're all here to be an edification to one another, an encouragement to each other, and a blessing to each other, because church is not a spiritual showcase. It's a spiritual hospital. We all come here wounded in some way, but we, we love the Lord, and we worship him, and he shows up, and it encourages us, and it lifts us, and in response, we praise him. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. You know, um, all this, uh, this this modern worship with the praise team and, and the environment like a concert and the entertainment and blowing the smoke and the loud music, and you know what it's done? It, it, it's taken the worship away from the pew and whatever you want to call it, it's just put it on the platform. I believe the worship belongs to the people. And that song service is a big big part of it, folks. Don't be afraid to sing out. You say, well, I don't have a good sounding voice. Well, the Bible says make a joyful noise, amen? Listen, God would rather hear a congregation full of saved people croaking like a bunch of crows than the Mormon tabernacle choir where you couldn't find one in a hundred that even knows what they're singing about. But it's musically perfect. What's God doing? John chapter 4. He's seeking such to worship him. Those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says in Psalm 22 that he inhabiteth the praises of his people Israel he inhabits the praises of his people folks he inhabits those praises you want to get God in on your life you want to get God in on your family you want to get God in on the church service you want to get God in on everything that you're trying to do praise him because he inhabits those praises what a wonderful God we serve this morning when I, read, when I read Colossians chapter 1 and I read of, of the creation and that all things are of him and by him and for him and through him and to him, and then I think that he died for my sins and he gave me eternal life almost 50 years ago. Next year it'll be 50 years, 50 years And you know what? I'm just as on my way to heaven today as I was the day he saved me. And one of these days, this short little life will just be a little hiccup, a hiccup in time as we worship him out in eternity. Along with those 4 and 20 elders, along with those those peculiar looking beasts in Revelation chapter 4, that all they want to do All they want to do, they don't care about eating. They don't care about entertainment. They don't care about anything else. They just want to be close to the throne, and they just want to keep worshiping because it feels like the only thing that's right. It's so automatic. It's so wonderful. It's so perfect. And I know, I know, in the present bodies we live in and the present conditions we live in, there's a lot of things that hinder, but by the grace of God, if we can look past all of those... And in everything give thanks. Not for everything. He didn't say for everything. Listen, folks, when it comes down to things like what little Heidi Holt is battling, God's not asking you to say, Lord, thank you for cancer. Uh-uh. No. God's not asking you to say, hey, thank you for the heart attack. Or thank you for this, this, other, this other thing that was brought on by the fall. Genesis chapter 3. No, he said, in everything give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for some of the wonderful people I've met in the middle of this cancer journey. Thank you, Lord, for some of the opportunities to offer the sacrifice of praise during this cancer journey. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to witness to some people that I would have never had a chance to witness to because of this cancer journey. Thank you, Lord, Uh, thank you, Lord, today for helping me to value my wife more than ever because of this cancer journey. One of the things the Lord taught me just real recently here is when Carol was diagnosed with the breast cancer, I I realized that the roles would be reversed now. I'm the caretaker, and she's the patient. And uh, immediately, immediately, within within a week, I realized something very clearly and something that she had been doing for me over 20 years is that my number one job as a caregiver was to be an encourager. I mean, if I had a negative or discouraging thought about the situation, I was to keep it to myself and I realized what she had been doing for me over 20 years. When I was down in the trough, when things were rough, when things were gloomy, when things were dark, she'd keep telling me, you're going to get through God's going to get us through. I prayed today and I talked to God and He showed me that even when she had her own doubts. You see, folks, we can learn in everything, give thanks. What you're going through today, what you're going through today did not take God by surprise. You can still praise Him. And He's going to get you out on the other side. And it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And one of these days when we get home to be with him, it's really going to be okay. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and just somehow, some way, something that was said would just trigger something in all of us, Lord, to be more thankful, to be filled with your praise and worship you in spirit and in truth. Because you are truly worthy, Lord, and it's the one thing we can give you. And it's the one thing you desire, it seems, more than anything else, is praise and worship. And you're you're worthy of it, Lord. We acknowledge that this morning. But help us, Lord. We're, We're pretty frail. We're pretty easily distracted. And we get discouraged pretty easy. We let circumstances get in the way. Help us to see, Lord, that you're in charge of all of that. You're in charge of all of that. And it's going to be all right. Help us to look past these things and look to you and know that you're in control and you've been good to us. So good to us. We thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's take our, our hymnals and turn to number 505, 53, Number 553. Come Thou Found. Come Thou Found. bowed and our eyes closed going to ask the instruments to continue to pray several people have come up to pray but maybe you need to come this morning and you just need to come and thank the Lord you just need to come and be thankful and tell God about something you're thankful for just spend a little time thanking Him thanking Him yeah take the burdens to Him That's fine. Casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. That's what he said. He cares for you. Would you take a little time this morning and just thank him? Thank him for the good things he's done. Thank him for who he is. Thank him that, that he loves you. He loves you. Amen. Let's just take a little time this morning. Let's thank him. Let's praise him. Let's worship him. And if you got a burden just take it to him. He's there. he's waiting, he wants to help. in heaven I I, I need to be the first to say here this this morning that you've just been so good and Lord there's not a trouble there's not a trial, there's not a problem there's not a burden that I've I've ever borne or will bear that compares to all the goodness you've showed toward me Lord just being saved just knowing Christ is my Savior, just knowing that I have a place reserved for me in heaven that would be enough, but you've given me so much more. A wonderful wife, children, grandchildren. Father, this this wonderful group of people that are that know you and, and, and they're your family, and we're all part of it together, and we bear one another's burdens and we pray for each other and put up with each other sometimes and love each other and help each other. And it's just it's just so wonderful. And to still live in this country. Father, we ask for your mercy upon this country, but we thank you, Lord, that it's still still a wonderful place to live. We still have such great freedoms and prosperity. Help us, Lord, to be a thankful people. Help us go forth from this place, telling others about you, just simply as an overflow, an overflow, the cup running over, Lord. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Let's sing that song from the top, brother. Come on up here. I'm going to ask you to close us in a word of prayer. God, I thank you so much for this congregation of men and women here to worship and praise you. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us in this great country to gather like this without fear. I thank you for the, the preacher that you've put in front of us to, to guide and direct your flock, Lord. As you give everybody safe travels on their way home. Give everybody a blessed holiday and remind us every day, not just this time of year to be thankful and always look to you in Jesus name amen